You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As it says, this is Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. And the Indians didn't play today, so on today's show, we're going to spend the first half looking at the Columbus Clippers. We've talked about all the other minor league affiliates so far. And then for the second half, I uh, thought it'd be fun to go back and review the 2016 draft because all of the high school players from that class would have been draft eligible this year. So we have a pretty good understanding of it. And I also went out and pulled out my shadow draft from that year so we can see, um, you know, how things had turned out, who ended up having the better draft, the Indians or myself. So the Columbus Clippers so far this year are as typical for them a team full of MLB vets Um, when we look at the guys who had the most at bats it's Bobby Bradley who is a prospect but I've talked about some of the warts there I'll get into him in a bit Uh, Brandon Barnes 33 year old former major leaguer Trace Thompson 28 year old major uh, former major leaguer Mark Matias who's really having a nice year up there hope more on him in a bit Ryan Flattery, 32-year-old, former major leaguer. Then you have Haas, Stamets, Mercado, and Greg Allen uh, are the last of the guys who've had over 100 at-bats. Uh, the next guy up would have been uh, Tim Federitsky, who they traded for cash to Texas. And after that comes Mike Poppy and Daniel Johnson. And then uh, Adam Rosales, who they traded for when they uh, set... Uh, uh, Max Morhoff to the minors, who's not played much down there. And, uh, you know, uh, under him is Yu Chen Chang, who's someone else. Chang's only appeared in 15 games, 53 at-bats. It's been ugly, and he's been hurt. Um, under Chang, I just keep going because it's interesting names. Cameron Mabin, who they sold to the Yankees because the Indians don't need outfielders. He had been pretty awful, though, in AAA. I, have, I can't blame the Indians for deciding to sell him. Um... He had not been really effective last year. There's a reason why this was a guy who was willing to go to AAA and play for the Cleveland Indians. Last year he hit uh, in 340 at-bats. He had like a, he had a 662 OPS. Uh, all of a sudden he goes to New York this year, and he's played quite well. 274, 729 OPS. He's always been a good defender in left field. Um, might be hard to believe that he's played 13 seasons in the majors. But uh, he debuted so young for the Tigers. But, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, just going through this list of players. There's there's so many guys that don't, I don't want to say they don't matter. They definitely matter to their families and um, stuff like that. But, I mean, in all honesty, uh, it doesn't really matter what Brandon Barnes does. He's not going to get called up. The Indians are not going to go through the rigmarole of a 40-man for someone like that. Bobby Bradley is someone the Indians have added to their 40-man, and he has hit for a lot of power this year. But that comes with the two big caveats, one being the uh, ball in AAA is now the same ball they use in the majors, and it's definitely this year uh, flying out of the park uh, at higher rates than it ever has. And two, the park down there is extremely hitter-friendly to the point where I have a hard time evaluating players based on numbers alone at that park. In terms of the caveats with Bobby Bradley, uh, it basically comes down to him striking out at an obscene rate. If he's going to strike out thirty, nearly 33% of the time, I need to see his walk rate higher than 8%. Uh, that type of imbalance allows a player to be Matt Laporta. 
Um, that's where the guy who can just crush AAA, but for some reason can't make the adjustment and get to the next level. Now, sometimes these guys uh, find success at the next level too. It's not always the case, but uh, that's more the minority than the majority of similar builds. But uh, if you're the Indians and you know at some point you decide that Bowers maybe could use a little more time in AAA, if you are going to let Bradley get some time at DH. I wouldn't uh, have an issue with that. I, you know, it's maybe not the ideal situation, but uh, it's not the worst thing in the world either. Eric Haas is what he is. Um, also, he's got 17 home runs, so he's he's hitting as many home runs as Bradley. Basically, when you get down to the overall rate of it, because Haas has played in less games, he's actually hitting more, uh, hitting them more often. And Haas has the lower batting average, but a higher on base because he walks a lot. Um, Haas is a... I mean, what we've seen with Roberto Perez this year is he is slowly morphing into one of the top five catchers in the American League um, between the power, walks, and defensive potential. So I don't think it's an insult to say Haas might be a bit of a poor man's Roberto Perez if Perez can keep doing what he has done so far. But I think that's what you're looking at there. Greg Allen, I've always been a big believer in his potential. He has struggled at points this year. I'd still rather have him up there and some of the players they have up there. But he's probably more of a fourth outfielder. Mark Matthias is a guy I really liked when they drafted him. And by the time I saw him in Akron, he... He spent a lot of time in double-A just looking over his head. Um, couldn't catch up to things, never made hard contact. And he's playing well this year in triple-A. Still a, you know, a 21% strikeout rate with a 9% walk rate. That's not great. He is not doing anything great. He's doing a lot of things okay. Um, maybe he's someone you try at some point uh, if you need a middle infielder for the Indians, uh, you know, he's not uh, not in consideration of the top 30. He's just, that's kind of the level of prospect he is for me. Uh, I already talked about Chang, who's really the only top 10 guy on here outside of Daniel Johnson. And Chang's just been a victim of injury this entire season. Daniel Johnson, I talked about some uh, on yesterday's show. It's, he's... He's forcing the uh, the Indians to consider him sooner than later. Uh, the walk rate, the strikeout rate is low. You know, walk rate of 11%, strikeout rate of 19%. And, I mean, he's, a, he's likely going to be a four-tool player. I don't think the hit tool is ever going to be all that great. Um, but with his speed, with his defensive potential, with his power potential... If he's a 240 hitter, especially because he can walk, that doesn't bother me. If he's a 220 hitter because of all the other tools, that doesn't bother me either. I think there is still a successful profile there. If we're looking at the pitchers down there, um, so many of these guys have been called up at some point this year. It is just a a roster loaded with up-and-down players. Basically, the only ones who have gotten a lot of usage who have not been up and down are Michael Peoples and Shaoqing Chang. And I'm still a Peoples supporter. Uh, I think home run rate is just a crapshoot because that park is so bad. But he's kept his strikeout rate up over 7. He's always had a good uh, sinker. Uh, The walk rate is still under 2.5. I still think uh, 
if someone like Plesak hadn't exploded this year, he would have been, uh, sh- at least he should have been in contention to get a chance. Uh, Chewy Hugh is on the 40-man, but he has been just awful in AAA. You can kind of see why Tampa, there's a lot there. There's like four pitches. You can get that fastball up to the mid-90s, but he doesn't seem to fool anybody with it. You can see why Tampa was very okay moving on from him, and you can see why the Indians were very intrigued, but it just hasn't come together um, for him, and I don't know if it ever will. Henry Martinez is starting to pitch better, and he's an interesting reliever. Uh, Karen Chalk's been hurt, which has been extremely disappointing because of you know him moving as quickly through the system as he was. And Nick Sandlin has had some rough going in his three innings. It's a very small sample size, though, so obviously there's not much that can be taken from that. On the whole, there's some interesting players, but it is a group that... Uh, you know, the Indians are exceedingly fond of keeping guys down there who have major league experience. Um, and that is mostly what that roster is made of. It's it's a lot of players who have seen time in the majors at some point during their career. So our sponsors today are Hotels.com. Uh, I use them. You should use them. They help save me time. They help save money. You go there, they do the legwork, and as long as you're happy, you'll keep coming back. So they are very much put together to keep you happy, to keep you going there. They're going to do all the things that uh, will make you keep using their site, and that is primarily saving you time and saving you money. So use Hotels.com if you want to have an easy vacation experience. Our other sponsor is BlueChew.com. It is the chewable little blue pill. Since it, you chew it, it gets in your bloodstream quicker. means you don't have to wait as long when the time is right. It has all the same active ingredients as the other little blue pills that you know about. If you've ever wanted to try, if you've ever been curious just to see what what will happen, uh, it's going to cost you the 5 bucks in shipping, but the pill is free. So you just have to pay for shipping so they don't take a complete loss on this. You'll go to bluechew.com, use the promo code MLB, and it'll be discreetly mailed to your door. You don't have to deal about, uh, you know, going to the pharmacist or anything like that. It's just you you go to Blue Chew, use the promo code MLB, and for 5 bucks you can try it for yourself. So, as I promised, the second half of the show is going to deal heavily with the 2016 MLB draft. In front of me, I have who the Indians took and who I thought they should have taken. Now, this is a very different draft listing because of... The fact that uh, I didn't agree with the Indians' first-round pick. And I was very much on record as not agreeing with the Indians' first-round pick. And uh, basically from the moment they made it. So I didn't... Well, the Indians took Will Benson, and he is having a good year this year. His struggles are very well noted. Instead of Will Benson, I took Blake Rutherford. Um, It meant that I had to... I had to cut about $750,000 out of what the Indians spent. So, I mean, things I talked about here was in round two, basically. Uh, You know, I love Nolan Jones. If I really wanted to cut that money, uh, I could have taken someone like Nick Solak or Sheldon News, who I liked. 
but uh, I kept Jones in round two. And for those who are curious, like, well, um, Blake Rutherford, he has been a top 100 prospect of points. His luster is not as high as it once was. And he was a pretty big, he was the only return, I want to say, when the White Sox made a trade with the Yankees a few years ago. The Yankees got Robertson and Kaline. And Benson, and while Rutherford has had some struggles, you know, last year in high A, he hit two ninety three with seven home runs. Uh, he's walk, walked about 7% of the time, struck out about 18%. He was okay. He wasn't great. This year in double A, he's had a lot of struggles. But at the same time, uh, he is in double A while uh, Benson is in low A. So uh, basically neither of them are great great but uh i'll prefer the guy who's in double a over the one in low a round two as i said uh there i had some debate but nolan jones was just too good for me so i kept him the indians next pick was in 2a the compensation round they took logan ice of oregon state and for me this was a a very easy change because i was uh I was a big fan of Sean Murphy from Wright State, and uh, taking Murphy over ice was actually cheaper. It saved me nearly $50,000 to help use, and I always thought that uh, Murphy had the bigger upside and was the better catching prospect. I mean, I, I had um, ice in my top uh, 100 draft prospects. He was an interesting player. He was a okay pick, but I, I had Murphy with a first-round grade, um, I did not have ice with a first-round grade. And that's one of those that's a clear win for me because at this point, um, Sean Murphy is... He's been a top 100 prospected catcher. He is sitting there in AAA and could be called up at any point in time to to help the athletics. He continues to hit. There's power potential. Um, Logan Ice is an afterthought. He's not a top 30 prospect for the Indians, whereas Sean Murphy is one of the top catching prospects in baseball. So, um, yeah, that was uh, that's one of those clear win for me, not so much for the Cleveland Indians. In the third round, the Indians took Aaron uh, Saival. It is not—he's uh, been all right. Um, he doesn't do anything that really stands out. Uh, he, I never talked to anyone who's super impressed with him. The player I chose was Zach Jackson. Now, one of the primary reasons I made a change here was to save money. As I mentioned, I went way over what the Indians spent on the first pick, so I had to find a way to save money throughout this draft if I wanted to keep uh, Nolan Jones in round two and also pay him his huge bonus. So I took Zach Jackson, the reliever from Arkansas, and that saved me $350,000, which was huge. Now, the the pitcher here for the Blue Jays is currently in AAA. Last year in AA, he missed a lot of bats but still walked an obscene amount of guys. And that has always been his problem. Uh, I th- He was given some chances to start at Arkansas. Never really worked out since the Blue Jays drafted him. He has been... Uh, he's been just a reliever the whole way. Uh... I don't know if he has a major league future just because of control problems, but I'm not sure uh, Aaron Saival has a major league future either. I, I'm i going to lean in my favor 
just because of uh, the monetary savings, but it's probably close to a push in all honesty at this point. Um, Saval probably has a better chance at being a major leaguer. Jackson still has the higher ceiling. With the next pick was the Indians' best pick in this draft in round four, and that was Shane Bieber. I kept that pick. So we are in complete agreement. I don't have to say anything about that selection because it worked out. In round five, I agreed with the Indians again. We both had Connor Capel. He was a top 100 guy to me. I was shocked to see him on the board. And uh, he eventually turned into Oscar Mercado via trades. So that worked out. Round six, I needed to save money. So I went with uh, Duncan Robinson over Ulysses Cantu. Uh, Duncan Robinson was a six-foot-six pitcher out of Dartmouth. Ulysses Cantu um, has was supposed to be kind of a DH with a strong eye at the plate and an ability to uh, have some doubles pop. He could be on his way out of the Indians organization. So while he has not worked out, Duncan Robinson is in AAA for the Cubs this year. Last year he was fantastic in AA. Uh, strikeout rate over seven with a walk rate under two. Uh, for his career, he's had a basically that a walk rate under two with a strikeout rate over seven. Keeps the ball in the park. Triple A arm. Uh, at some point, he's going to get a shot in the the majors with the Cubs. Uh, Cantu has never gotten out of a low A, so this one is a is a clear win for me. And uh, Robinson was a much cheaper sign. So, especially because he was a, a four-year Ivy League player. So I saved a ton of money there and very clearly got the uh, the better player. As a matter of fact, I think he was a fifth-year senior. So he uh, he was even... Oh, no, that was another player I was looking at at that point. But yeah, I went with Robinson to save the most money in round six. In round seven, I kept the Indians' pick of Michael Tinsley. Uh, he hasn't been great he hasn't been awful it's fine uh for round nine i went with kevin lachance a shortstop out of the university of baltimore maryland the indians went with jose and nelson and one of the big reasons i went with lachance was more monetary savings uh he was a lot cheaper he signed for 250 or no he did not he signed for two thousand five hundred dollars um, played about, he played, he's 20, he didn't play at all in 2016 after getting drafted. 2017, he played in the rookie league, wasn't all that great and was promptly, it wasn't awful, but, uh, he was released and he's been playing in independent baseball. The Indians got Andrew Landtrip in the eighth and he has been hurt. He really has not had a chance to show much for the uh, the Indians over the years. But, uh, yeah, they'll win with this pick over mine as the player I picked. Uh, barely touched a baseball. And while well, the player the Indians picked has uh, pitched, let's see, all of 11 innings since he was drafted. He did not pitch in 2016 or 2017. He pitched in 2018 and he's yet to pitch in 2019. Um, both players played have played one year of baseball, but Landrip's career is still going. So advantage Indians. In the ninth round, I 
took Jose and Nelson, just like the Indians did. He's been okay, nothing too big. And in the 10th round, I kept Samad Taylor, just like the Indians did. Um, so everything lined up. I would have definitely uh, then taken all of the players they took with the next few picks. I was a big Andrew Calica fan. They took him in the 11th round. Uh, I was a big Zach Plesak fan. You can find that write-up I wrote on him then. Gavin Collins had really good production. Mitch Luongo could have been much higher. Uh, the 15th round, Zach Smith was uh, from Eastern Wayne High School. His name hasn't come up really since then. So, you know, it was, a, it was you know, they didn't really miss a ton there. 16th round was Ben Krauth. He's in double-A. 17th round, Trenton Brooks, who spent some time in double-A. 18th round, Raymond Burgos, one of those sleeper guys that I've talked about repeatedly. He has been in low A, um, missed some time with arm surgery. Decode A. Clemmer has been in A ball. And then you have Benjamin Baird, who uh, was redrafted this year on day two of the draft. Will Crow, who would be go on to be drafted the next year in the second round. Uh, Mason Studstill, who was another player they were unable to sign. And Studstill is one of those guys, like, I, I, I hate these stories. Um, because he has just bounced around so much. Uh, started out in Miami Hurricane, went to Florida Gulf Coast, then went to another one. He's, you know, he's been out of school three years and has been with three different programs, you know, chasing innings, chasing coaching, chasing opportunities. And uh, there's a lot of players who end up spending so much of their college career chasing that they never get a chance to really be seen. Uh, you got Tanner Tully still in the organization, Jonathan Lariano, but then it's a lot of guys who they knew they could not sign at all. Uh, Ryder Ryan, they would later um, draft him uh, after he went to North Carolina. Was it like two years ago? And he was the player they traded for Jay Bruce. Uh, Blake Sabal was more an athlete than anything else. A catcher who went to USC he was a day two guy this year, but uh, definitely didn't live up to his high uh, draft ceiling at the time. Austin Shenton, uh, first baseman, ended up going on day three. He had a chance to be a first rounder. Really good on the Cape and then just fell apart this year um, when he was playing against lesser competition, so it ended up not working there. Uh, Mike Amadidis, they was a catcher they went for, and they finally got him this time out of Miami, Florida. Interesting player is uh, Danny Sinatra. Uh, he he went to the University of uh, he went to Washington State. Let me get make sure I get that right. Indians took him in the fortieth round. He did not sign. Uh, he never became a full time player in his three years at Washington State. Most he ever got was one hundred eighty five at bats. He played in a lot of games, but. Um, just did not get opportunities to play. The Dodgers took him this year in the 32nd round. He is probably going to sign, but those are kind of the the stories you hate to see. It's like he would have gotten more regular bats if he had been uh, signable, if the Indians had actually signed him than he got in his three years. He would have gotten in two years, would have gotten three years at Washington State. Another interesting guy, uh, Spencer Steer, the Indians took in the uh, 29th round. And he was uh, he ended up going to Oregon, and he he got uh, some opportunities to play, and then had a, a relatively big year this year, 
hit 355, only six home runs, uh, walked 11% of the time, struck out 12% of the time. He also was successful in the Cape, and all those things stand out. And then who takes him but the Minnesota Twins in the third round, who three years ago uh, was right about the time that Derek Falvey left the uh, the Twins front office, or left the Indians front office to join the Twins. So uh, that's a definite success story from the 29th round to the to the third round and the Twins. Pedro Alfonseco was a was another player the Indians liked a lot. They took him in the 39th round, and then the next year they took him in the 17th round and were able to sign him. Now at this point, that was the 2017 draft. He is never made it out of a ball and. Or, sorry, he's never even made it to A-ball. He was a rookie league player his entire time, part-time rookie league player, and currently has uh, no statistics. So there's a chance that uh, he may not even be with the Indians anymore. The Indians drafted Jacob DeVries out of the Air Force Academy in uh, 2016. He didn't sign, and back then um, you could actually get a player out of his commitment. He went back for his senior year and... uh, that was it. He wasn't drafted, and that was uh, his one opportunity the one time he got drafted. A few more names I have to throw out. Armani Smith was a 35th round pick. He went to UC Santa Barbara, played there for three years. Um, this last year, he finally had a, a breakout. He had six home runs the previous year. He had 11 uh, this season. He had been a guy hitting in the belt. 260 270 range and you put those two averages together he hit 325 this year numbers up across the board high doubles uh, he walked at a good percentage as well he was walking eight percent but the strikeout rate was only 15 percent now he never got a chance in the cape cod league which makes shows you he's a little bit of a lower end prospect he still went to the san francisco giants on the seventh round so there was some value there um he ended up uh, getting his opportunity, and uh, he made the most of it. And those are really kind of the players that stand out. There's a few other players. So at the end of the day, uh, it is interesting here. As Josh probably mentioned, Chris Farish, who went back to uh, Wake Forest and then went undrafted the next year, um, signed an undrafted contract with the Tigers. Kramer Robertson in the 32nd round, who uh, went back and was a higher pick the next year. From the 29th through 40th picks, the Indians didn't sign anybody. Which, uh, they've definitely changed that approach in recent years. But when you compare the two drafts, this is something I don't get to say often. But uh, the 2016 draft, I compared to the Indians, I think I can safely say I crushed it. Um, Rutherford versus Benson. There may not have been a ton of added value there. Saival versus Jackson. Probably not, but uh, saving money on Saival and Cantu for Rutherford, the big thing that made this difference and really what gives me a a much higher grade, I think, than the Indians was I took Sean Murphy and they took Logan Ice, and that that is the difference between them. It is interesting that when I went off board um, for some lower value uh, players that they had about as much success as the Indians, who in this draft did not take one senior sign. Uh, I think this is the only draft you can say that about. And it's not a bad draft at all, in retrospect, because in those top 10 picks, you get uh, Shane Bieber and Nolan Jones, who are fantastic prospects, and Connor Capel, 
that had enough value to be the primary piece to get Oscar Mercado. And then we don't even go into day three where uh, they also got the excellent value of Zach Plesak. And some good minor league depth depth players and, you know, still a sleeper prospect out there in Raymond Burgos. So I hope you've liked this different approach to the podcast today with no game. Uh, It could have been an entire podcast by itself. If I ever do another draft uh, recap, it will be since this one ran so long. Thank you for listening, rating, reviewing, using the Himalaya app, iTunes, Google Play. All of that is greatly appreciated. And as always, go Tribe.